for a couple summers ago, I did something that was a little bit crazy for me. Uh, I started working out with a couple buddies, and we would show up at 5.30 in the morning, and we would go to Franklin Park, and our exercise equipment was 40-pound cinder blocks. And uh, so we'd show up, and we would lug these uh, blocks all over Franklin Park, people who were early morning and, uh, walkers and, and running through the, through the park. They'd see us. They gave us strange looks. Uh, but we, we did this all summer and then out throughout the winter. Uh, but this experience for me uh, led to a lot of just excitement, excitement of just working out with these guys, working out in the park. I wasn't wild about the time, but I was excited about just the personal growth that I was experiencing. Of course, at the time, uh, probably the healthiest that I've ever been, although my form was not great with these blocks. But I experienced community with these guys. And uh, I found it natural and easy to talk to people about just how excited I was for this adventure. And, uh, you know, I would even go as far as inviting people to join us, and they always turned me down. I don't know why. But because of this experience, I found that people talk about what they're excited about. People will uh, join things like CrossFit, and then that's all you hear about them for the rest of the next three years is, hey, I joined CrossFit, this is my gains, and we're doing these crazy workouts in a garage, and they're posting on social media about their CrossFit experience. But they're excited about this life-changing transformation that they're experiencing. You see the same thing when people start a new diet and they're seeing uh, benefits of this, of this diet. Uh, you even see people talking and are excited about Wordle and what their current max streak is. But people talk about what, they are ex what they're excited about, and I think it's because personal experience is what motivates people to start something new. Our series the past couple of weeks has been focused on Easter people as we prepare for the Easter celebration and, and highlighting just the impact that the resurrection had not only on the early church, but just continues to have on every single believer for the last 2,000 years, we've been focusing on the, on the stories of people, how they have met the resurrected, the resurrected Jesus, and they are different people. We have seen people that are radically changed by the gospel, by the resurrection of Christ. They have experienced radical life change. As we've looked back at the series, we've seen the faithfulness of Mary Magdalene and her devotion to Christ before the resurrection and after the resurrection. We've seen the disciples moving from a place of fear to a place of boldness and peace. We've even seen Thomas moving from a place of doubt to a place of extreme faith. And so today, uh, we are focusing on the specific mission that the disciples were given just a few weeks after the resurrection. And so because of the resurrection, we have our message this morning. Our passage today is called the Great Commission. If you've been around church at all, you've heard this phrase or this, this couple of words, and it defines what the Christian is supposed to do in our world. Uh, this is what we are supposed to do in light of the resurrection. So Jesus gives his disciples and us this mission to reach the world where we are proclaiming the resurrected Christ above and over everything. But before we're given this mission, 
we find the disciples are gathered for worship. Now look at verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Right off the bat, as we've been looking at the Gospel of John, every single appearance of Christ has been happening in Jerusalem. Yet now the disciples are gathered in Galilee. And they are here because Christ directed them to come on the day of his resurrection. He told them to meet them here at this mountain. And the first thing that they do as they are gathered here is that they are to worship Christ. And then he scatters them into the world. And so with the disciples gathered arriving on the mountain, we see in verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. You see, some are seeing Jesus at a distance. And just seeing the resurrected Savior causes them to worship. They are worshiping in their hearts. They're probably worshiping with their mouth. But they are giving Jesus all the worthy and all the glory, all the honor that he is due. And that we specifically see that God reserves for himself. So them worshiping Jesus in this moment on this mountain is telling us that they are recognizing that Jesus Christ is God. And so now, because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection, he proves to his disciples and to the world that he alone is fully God. And now he stands worthy of all worship. So some see him at a distance, and they begin to worship. They worship because they believe that Jesus is worthy of all of this. Though in the midst of them worshiping, there are some that are doubting. They are confused of the events of the last few weeks. They are, uh, they are certainly confused because dead men don't just come back from, from the dead. And there's a lot of doubt, a lot of uncertainty. And I think it's a similar situation for where we are this morning, where we gather with the sole expression of worshiping Christ together. But there are some of us who are doubting. There are some of us who are struggling to understand faith to understand who Christ is. I mean, we don't have to look far, and we've heard uh, that God is good, and yet, if God is good, how are there so many evil things in the world? If God is in control, why is the world often in chaos? And there's a lot to struggle with faith and doubt, and even doubting the power of God effective in our own lives. And so... What happens next speaks to just the, the, the ministry of Christ. You see, he's seeing his disciples worship him, and he sees that some are doubting. What happens next is profound. It starts in verse 18. It says, Jesus came to them. As we, or as we, what this means for us is that he draws near us in our pain, in our confusion, in our doubts, and he draws near comforting us with his presence. As we think about the story of Thomas, even last week, Jesus doesn't shy away from the hard things in our lives, from the hard questions that we have about these things. He doesn't chide us for having a lack of faith in him or for doubting. And what we see is that Jesus is not afraid of our doubts. And so like the disciples, he draws near us in the midst of our hurting, in the midst of our confusion, and he comforts us with his presence. 
after he draws near his disciples, then he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so, we, so uh, he possesses the same authority that God does. And he's saying that all power, that all authority in heaven and on earth belong to him, that there's nothing outside of his authority. And then it's on this basis of the authority that Christ then scatters his disciples to make him known. And they, this is where we are given a clear mission and a purpose in the world. Verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Again, if you've been around the church, you've heard this message in some form or fashion, but the, the emphasis is to go. And so Jesus is giving one great command here in verse 19. He says, go, make me known in the world. He tells the disciples to do this for the simple reason that the world needs to hear the life-changing good news of the gospel. You know, we don't have to look far to see that our world is hurting, that our world is broken, that every single person's life has been deeply impacted by sin, and that for the majority of the world, there is a devoid, they don't have a relationship with, with God. And so he's saying, go make disciples of all the world. He's telling his disciples to go and proclaim the truth of the resurrection that restores brokenness, that heals hurting hearts, and it draws people back into relationship with him. So the mission of the Christian is to go into, the, into all the world, making disciples because, because God desires that all of the world is saved from our sin and saved by, to a relationship with him. And the gospel is the only thing that can free the people from sin and restore the brokenness through the gospel of the resurrected Savior. And so when Jesus gives us this great mission, he is telling us that this is our highest priority as Christians because the world is hurting and lost without the hope of Christ. Even as we think about why Restoration Church exists, we exist to know Christ and to make Christ known. This is why we are here. Everything we do starts first with knowing Christ, with having that relationship with Christ as we see the disciples have that model of relationship with him. And it, the basis of our relationship with Christ propels us forward where we are to make him known in our neighborhood, in our city, in our workplaces. And this idea or that we believe that knowing Christ empowers us to make Christ known. It's our relationship with Christ and our worship that fuels our mission. You see, we gather to worship Christ together and then we scatter into the city to make him known. And this idea of going to make disciples is all rooted in being intentional to proclaim the good news in whatever relationship that we have. Now, we are talking about the, the resurrection. We are talking about the gospel, how Christ has changed us as individuals. What this means is that we don't need to know the best methods on how to share the, our faith. We don't need to talk good, but we only need the simple truth that Christ is crucified, and that Christ is resurrected. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us the same thing in 1 Corinthians 2.2. He says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
This is probably one of the smartest men in all of the New Testament. And he is saying that he only wanted to talk about the death, the burial, the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And that should tell us something about how we are to proclaim the gospel in our relationships. And so as we think about what is the best way of, of making Christ known, it is primarily through relationships, where we are intentionally inviting people and we are investing in them relationally, not because they are a project, not because we, uh, we, we, we just only want to see them saved and then, and then leave them, but because we genuinely love people, we genuinely care about people, so we are investing in these relationships, eager to tell them what Christ has done for us as individuals. And then after going, making Christ known, Jesus gives two expectations for all believers. And the first one is that we are baptized in his name. Matthew continues, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so once someone makes a profession of faith, the first thing to do is be baptized. Let me just say, if you are here this morning and you have not been baptized, Easter Sunday is probably one of the best Sundays to be baptized because you are identifying the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ after you have made your profession of faith in Christ. We still have room for baptisms. If you are interested or thinking about baptism, I'd love to talk to you about that. But baptism comes after a profession of faith. The second expectation that Jesus gives us is that we are constantly growing. In verse 20, Matthew says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So faith starts with a personal relationship with Christ, but following Christ is a lifelong commitment, a lifelong pursuit, meaning that we will never arrive at a place where we are fully mature believers until we're in heaven. What this tells us is that our faith is a journey and that one of the things at Restoration is that we celebrate progress over perfection, where we are s slowly growing in our understanding and our love for Christ. But this means that we are applying the truths of Scripture to our lives. We are submitting ourselves to Scripture, where we are seeking to follow Christ for every area of our lives. These are the two expectations that Jesus has for all believers, is that we are baptized and that we are constantly growing. But his expectations for us comes from his deep love for us, like a parent who knows what's best for his children. He understands what this will mean for, or what's best for Christians in all cultures and at all times. But we're missing something important in this passage. Look how he finishes this, this, this text. He says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so what Christ is saying is that, that he has commissioned all believers to go and to proclaim his name in our relationships, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, above and over every other thing. That Christ is to be the main message that he was buried and that he was resurrected and that he is living today. But here's the beautiful thing is that this is not by our own power, by our own strength, by our own ability, because if I am going to be doing it out of my own strength, I am not going to be sharing the gospel. And this is where Jesus promises, or that he gives us his power through his presence. 
It is Christ's power in us that we are making disciples of all nations. It is Christ's presence with us, comforting us and guiding us and strengthening us as we step out in faith to make Christ known in all of our relationships. He is always with us. He is empowering us to live on mission. And this is where Jesus promises us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And it is his power that changes the lives of people around us, not by how good I speak to people. And what we see is that God's power is radically changing the world as we proclaim the truth of the gospel in every relationship that we have. As we look at Christianity, it started with 11 guys who are hiding in fear to boldly proclaiming Christ crucified and Christ resurrected from as far as Spain to India in their first 40 years of existence. Because of the power of Christ, we have seen civilizations completely transformed by the truths of the gospel. We have seen people's lives freed from the bondage of sin and shame because of the power of the gospel in us. It's the bold proclamation throughout the centuries where cultures as we know it have changed. Where every aspect of our writings in the Western world have been influenced by the message of the gospel. When we go and we make disciples, cultures are changed, peoples are transformed by the life-giving truth of the gospel. In fact, we're all here today because someone told you about Jesus at some point in your life. Whether it was a parent, whether it was a teacher, whether it was a neighbor, whether it was a friend, someone, you are here because someone has shared the gospel with you in some capacity. And we are to invite others into this relationship with Christ. And we are sharing the gospel in word and in deed. And so for us this morning, when we step out in faith, Christ's power and his presence is with us and lives are transformed as a result. Which leads me to the purpose of our message today. The mission of the Christian is to go and make disciples resting in the power and the presence of Christ. There are countless stories of how entire communities, entire neighborhoods, entire peoples were transformed by the gospel coming to them. But one story for me stands out where a man in, in September of 1853 was a young missionary making his way to a country that no one wanted to go to. That was China. And at this point in history, there were only a few dozen missionaries in the entire nation of China. And he had this extreme burden to go and make Christ known to the people of China. Who was this man? Hudson Taylor. Over the course of his life, he saw thousands upon thousands of Chinese converts. He saw people coming to Christ, people getting the gospel, people's lives and communities being radically transformed by the truths of the gospel. And he, through, his, through the founding of China Inland Mission, saw thousands of missionaries coming to share the gospel to China where people now wanted to make Christ known in China. Though 
He died in 1905, and, and his mission agency's work came to a halt in the 1940s when communism was on the rise in China. Many historians regard Hudson's Taylor's impact on one of the reasons why the Chinese church is one of the fastest growing churches in the, in the world today. This is all because a man stepped out in faith and boldly proclaimed the mission of the gospel. And what it means for us today is that the same power that has emboldened Christians to change the world is the same power that is residing in us. The power that created our world from nothing, the power that rose Christ from the dead is the power that is residing in us through the Holy Spirit, through our personal relationship in Christ. And so for us, we have to rest in that power for Christ to uh, for, our, for our lives today. And we can see that God is, can change our neighborhood, change the city of Yakima, change our country because of our faithfulness to make Christ known. And we can talk about all of these um, Christians who are living on mission where they have been given this, this mission to make Christ known and they are living that out. And so how do we live on mission today? First, we have to know Christ. It means that we have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like the disciples who knew Jesus, who walked with Jesus, who talked with Jesus, we have the ability to have that same relationship with Christ that the disciples did 2,000 years ago. We have the ability to talk with Jesus, to see Jesus in each other, to grow in our love and our knowledge of Christ, but this power of Christ only comes through a personal relationship with him. And so that means for us who know him that we are continually growing in our love for him, growing in our passion for him, growing in our, our, our submission to the word of God, growing in our love for his people. And if we're not, if you're here this morning and you don't have that personal relationship with Christ, it starts just by simply believing and resting in the truth of who Jesus says he is. If that's you this morning, I just want to invite you to just go to restorationyakima.com connect, fill out that connection card, and just let us know that you are interested in learning more about, about a relationship with Christ. But the second way for us to live on mission is to make Christ known. There are countless opportunities to go into the world to make Christ known in our world like starting a Bible study in your home for people who don't know Christ, opening up the Gospels and saying, let me teach you who Jesus is. There's opportunities of inviting people to church next Sunday and saying, hey, will you join me at church and just to, 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 to will you join me at church as, as an invitation? There are opportunities to invite coworkers, to invite friends out for coffee, to just hear their story and to share Christ with them. There are opportunities to go into a foreign country to proclaim the goodness of Christ, volunteering at local nonprofits. But all of these are rooted in a desire to go to proclaim the name of Christ in the world above all things. Today, as Pastor Kevin already mentioned, we have the opportunity to go into our neighborhood and just to invite people just to, to join us for Easter, giving a tangible gift to folks. And this is just a way for us to show, hey, we love you, we 
care for you. And I want to invite you to join us today immediately after church. Pastor Kevin said about 25 minutes just going, inviting people to Easter and, and resting in the power of the gospel through that. If you can't join us today, I'd love for you just to find someone to invite them to, to join us for Easter. But as we look at the impact of the early church, the early church turned the world upside down simply by sharing the excitement of their personal life. How much more can we have an impact in our world through simply making Christ known in our lives every day? Restoration, I love you, and I am excited to see how God is going to grow and shape our neighborhood through us simply coming together to make him known. Our job is to go 